welcome to the Blind Shots Podcast. I'm your host, David Hill, coming to you from the lighted, heated hitting stalls at Man of War Golf, having just hit my 400th practice ball of the day, totally convinced that I'm going to find it with my next golf swing. And this is Season 3, Episode 18. This episode is the first half of my conversation with Matthew McCready, the Director of Operations at my home practice and fitting facility, Man of War Golf, here in Lexington, Kentucky. We talk all around and through the state of the golf business as I try to touch on what makes his standalone practice facility so special. It's that kind of meandering conversation that we specialize in here at the Blind Shots podcast, one that could have just as easily been with Matthew and me standing on opposite sides of the counter in the golf shop instead of in his office with microphones and a recorder. Matthew is on the younger side, but he's well on his way to being an old pro with an old soul, comfortably navigating our chat about pro golf, the merchandising game, industry disruptions, and the reality of junior golf at the grassroots instead of the highest levels. He wears all of the different golf pro hats, including the one that bestows him with the gift of gab, which makes him a great regular co-host or contributor with my friend Matthew Lawrence on his Backspin Golf radio program on our local ESPN affiliate, 1300. Matthew and I went on and on and could have gone on even longer. Editor's note, yep, he'll probably be back next season. I decided to break this podcast into two episodes for your convenience or annoyance, depending on how you look at it, but I think you'll appreciate it. Before we get into all of that, though, a reminder that you're invited to interact with this show on Twitter at BlindShotsPod, as well as on Instagram. There are links in the show notes to the Man of War Golf website so that you can get a better idea of what we're talking about in terms of the facility and the services they offer. Finally, a reminder that while this show is a proud member of the Talking Golf Network of Shows, the Blind Shots podcast is sponsored exclusively by me, David Hill, Realtor. In addition to playing, talking, and writing about golf, I'm a licensed Kentucky Realtor with Rector Hayden Realtors. I work with homeowners buying and selling their homes and also work with investors and businesses on their commercial property needs here in Central Kentucky. You can find my contact information at davidhill.rhr.com. If you've got a real estate question, if you're just wondering how to get started investing in real estate, reach out to me and we can start a conversation. The coffee's free. And now, for the first half of my conversation with Man of War Golf's Matthew McCready. All right, Matthew. Why golf pro? You're a relatively intelligent person. Why did you make that decision? You know, when a lot of people get into the business, they think, I'm going to get into golf to play more golf. And then they quickly find out that that's not true. You don't do that. You actually play way less golf. And then you live vicariously through everybody else playing golf on the really nice days while you're behind the counter. You're giving them the key to the golf cart. So you live vicariously through them. But for me, I grew up with an uncle who played professional golf. Then... um, got into the golf pro side of things. And so as I was growing up, my uncle was a golf pro. Spending days at the country club, um, it kind of rubbed off. And I was like, well, that's cool. And so I went to school, went through all that, and then after getting out of school, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. Business, all the business and marketing is what I studied. And that's a pretty broad, that's why I got business and marketing. Pretty broad. I can do a lot of things with it. I can go a lot of places, per se. And then I played golf throughout college, took it somewhat seriously, not super serious. And then 
got a little bit better. I'd always had, per se, a natural ability, but I was never, like, going out and shooting even par every day. Could maybe move around and get a 78 if I was really lucky. It was a good day. And then so played a little bit more, kept playing a little bit more as I got out of college. Um, I ran a a retail store in the mall um, that allowed me to play a lot of golf in my free time. And I met a guy named Chris Boysell, who everybody knows. Friend of the podcast. Friend of the podcast. Great guy. And I was somewhat good enough that he wanted to take to a tournament somewhere. And at this time, I was already thinking about going to Eastern to join their you know, PGA program. I thought, okay, that's kind of something that seems cool. And I told him about that and was asking his opinion. And he was like, well... You can do it another way by joining the business, basically getting into the business, being an assistant, working your way up as an apprentice and all that. I said, well, I had no idea that you could even do that, but I want that sounds something I'd want to do. We worked a deal out, and I became under Chris as his assistant at Thoroughbred when Thoroughbred first got turned over from the old High Point name. And working with Chris, somebody who is more than passionate about the game, loves the game, and loves helping people, me coming from a retail side, it was like, you're always kind of serving people in a way. I've Now, I've gotten to the point where I'd love to see people play golf more than myself. Like, seeing you come to play golf or seeing you come to hit golf balls, I want to make it the best experience it can be for you. And so I want you to have the best time. I want you to have all the fun in the world doing it. And that makes me happy. So, making everybody else have a good time in a sport that I like is... That's why, for sure. Okay. Long, detailed answer, but... No, that's good. The more you talk, the less I talk, the better the show is. And that's, that's interesting that you came in with Boisel, who is a... Who, admittedly, he doesn't worry about his playing. You know, even on this show, he said, hey, section guys, you know, go... The tournaments are for you. Let me focus on the consumer, on the merchant. You know, he won a, a merchandiser award, I think, at yes. KGA here. So that's that's an interesting entree. And so did you consider... Had you gone to school or had any college before thinking about that PGA management program? Or was that just kind of a, a passing thought passing thought per se you know I knew that it was new coming out of high school that I wanted to go some kind of direction of business like sports management really piqued my interest Um, I looked at going to a lot of places for sports management and then I I heard about the different PGA programs at different universities Mississippi State Florida Gulf Coast all that and then I was just like well I'll just go to UK get a business degree and then kind of find out what I want to do then find out what the right path is. Cause you never know who you're going to meet and then what you're going to go into, you know, you can wake up one day and decide that you want to be a, a chef, you know, like I, <laughs> that, that wasn't out of the question for me. Um, but it was more in passing. And then I'm very thankful for finding Chris. I don't think I would be where I am without Chris. Because if I didn't find Chris and I go through the Eastern program, who knows where in the world I could have been, right? I could have been, you could say it could have been better, but it could have been way worse. I could have been led in the wrong directions, but I'm very thankful for him. And I don't know if he knows that. He will. He he occasionally listens. Yeah. So make sure. But I'm glad that I found him and he's pointed me in the right directions. And I've met a lot of great people because of him. Well, speaking of where you are now, you're director of, let me make sure I've got this right, director of operations at Man of War Golf. Correct. Which, to me is a special place. I mean, there are not, I don't think there are many golf courseless 
practice facilities designed by a top 100 golf architect right. with heated, almost horse stall type uh, winter uh, year round facility. Mm-hmm. It's, I think it's really unique and it's really special. Tell me a little bit about Man of, what Man of, Go- Man of War Golf was, is, and maybe what it will be going going forward. Man of War Golf was designed um, for a person or people really who live further from when it was designed, you know, further from the downtown idle hour, mm-hmm. from the practice ranges of idle hour, um, that gave them a middle ground from coming from the horse industry and places of Versailles and all that. It gave them a middle ground to come practice instead of driving all the way into town. And we are, for, for listeners, we are, you could walk to the airport and you could take a very short bike ride to the Keeneland race course yes. here, where, which was probably of interest to some of the people that founded this place. Yes. So a lot of the people who founded this place are all horse people. Um, Hence the Man of War name, um, Man of War Boulevard helps out with that too. So this became a practice facility for the owners and they wanted to build something that really isn't, there's nothing else like this that I know of anywhere really else in the state. There's some other places that are driving range only, but anybody that has a top 50 golf shop in America like we do, and then some of the top teachers in the state and in the country. So... You know, it was designed to be a high-end, scaled driving range and practice facility, which we still try to be. You know, but we cater to the—we want to cater to the people who are new to golf. They want to join golf. We want to cater to those people, too, because we want you to join golf. We want you to get into golf because the more people that are into golf, it's not just better for us. It's better for everybody. Right. Arthur Hill's designed facility back in, is it 25 or 30 years old? It is 1993. Okay. So it's coming up on, mm-hmm. on a significant anniversary. Um, I don't want to know the inside financials. I'm not here to be, be nosy, but ballpark. Break down maybe the percentage of your business, and you can correlate that to the percentage of your time mm-hmm. um, as a ma- in management of... Revenue maybe from lessons because you you have a, a portfolio of instructors to uh, just people coming in and buying range balls or, or range balls membership versus selling merchandise and I've got a follow up that you're going to hate but but <laughs> what in reality what do those numbers look like? Golf balls are of course our bread and butter right I mean that's our main focus I'd say golf balls is probably forty percent. Okay. of what we do business-wise. And you can kind of tie in memberships with that because the membership focus is, of course, on range balls. So if you tag memberships together, we're probably at 50 to 55% memberships and range balls. Uh, merchandise is a big category for us because that includes golf clubs. So that's selling a lot of clubs. We sell a lot. Last year, we had over a 1,000 special orders. So that's people that are getting custom fit. Um, And then, of course, we've got what you can buy off the rack. So a lot of people have fittings, and I try to strategically buy everything to a certain person, right? So we get a lot of people. We don't get a lot of people who swing at 120 miles an hour. Yeah, you mean a certain person as in a player profile, so to speak. You know, most people you can categorize into stiff and regular flex shafts, right? So I buy a lot of stiff and regular flex shafts. I buy buy mostly right-handed clubs, not a lot of left-handers. And we're able to fit 
into a lot of stock shafts nowadays. There's a lot of other competitors out there in the world who like to fit you for upgraded expensive shafts and 99% of people that play golf do not need that. They don't need to, if they want to spend the money, that's great, cool. We have the ability to, but I don't, we don't fit a lot of people into that. So we're able to buy most of the merchandise that fits a lot of people. So not just special orders, but they can get fit for a driver and they'll walk out with it that same day, which is a big perk too. People love that. Right. Right. So especially in the era of COVID in the era of supply chain, just absolute craziness. Yeah. It's chaos. And I don't know when that's ever going to get fixed, but <laughs> clubs probably take up clubs and merchandise are probably 25, 30%. And then the rest is instruction. I mean, so you're, I mean, you're 25, 30% in instruction as well. And that's because we have, you know, Brad, who's one of the top teachers in the state, Tenny, who's been one of the top, she was a top 50 LPGA instructor in the United States, but, you know, and now we've got Glenn and Gavin who are two top 50 junior instructors in the United States. Yeah. New so, certifications. Good yeah, on them. You know, so Two top 50 junior instructors and two top teachers in the state combined, we like to pump out lessons here. Well, now, so that's what reality is. You started this by saying how much you like seeing other people play golf and improve at golf. What should that be? If you could if you could get on your soapbox and preach to the maybe the beginner or just the, the amateur hacker golf, the COVID golfer, somebody that maybe mm-hmm. came back into the game, yes. where if they have a certain pool of money or time, I guess that's really what it is. It's mm-hmm. time and money. Where should they spend it between that kind of breakdown of pounding range balls, getting instruction, getting fit for clubs, or buying, just buying new clubs to solve their problems? That's, we all are going to have a different answer. You ask any other fitter, instructor, they're all going to say different, I think. But a lot of us come back to the same point of get a lesson and then get fit. Because have an idea and an understanding of how to swing the golf club, right? I can get, I can fit you to a club by how tall you are, your wrist to floor, and how fast you swing it. But if you're going to improve and get better, your swing's going to change. Ultimately, that's going to change the shaft flex, the lie angle, the loft you need, and maybe even the club head you need. So it's all going to change. So get a lesson first and get an idea. Don't spend a $3,000 on clubs yet. Get you something that's going to get you through a couple of lessons that's that's fit to your specs now. Let's get you through 10 lessons and getting you improving and then hopefully by then we'll see if you're if you love the game or not because you may hate it by then. And that's an important chicken versus egg argument that goes on in golf all the time. It goes on in in bars, it goes on online and social media. People I think there's big anxiety because for a lot of people, that's a big cash outlay. Yes. And I don't know if they're intimidated by lessons or or that or the cash outlay or, again, they swallow the advertising hole and, and think that would improve it. But that do I get lessons and then get equipment or get equipment and, and build a swing to that? Right. You can, you can change your clubs. You can change your body, too, now. You know, there's, yes. there's an emphasis on that. It's not going to hurt, for sure. Right. I mean, you see now, it's amazing you see a picture of the PGA Tour. There was a good picture I saw this morning. It was Ben Hogan standing by Arnold Palmer in a tournament. They both had a cigarette in their mouth. Mm-hmm. The other picture was Rory McIlroy and somebody else, and they were both eating a banana. <laughs> so it's like we've gone from being... Diet Cokes on the golf course and a cigarette to a protein shake and a banana while we're walking. So. Yeah, all four of those people have the same size waist. The shoulders are yes. a little wider yes. these days. Um, you have a 
I bring my kids here. Uh, you guys have a, I assume, a thriving junior program. As a parent that, is, that didn't grow up in golf, tell me a little bit about what junior golf is, how it's structured, when it starts, because um, these, are, these are all questions I'm very interested in. It starts, you know, start them as young as you can. And, you know, when you were a kid, when I was a kid, I played every sport I can play. And we still say play everything in the world you can because everything has a motor skill. All the motor skills in baseball, basketball, volleyball, whatever it is, they help you to be a better golfer. They, the way your body moves, hips, all that, it's, it's not going to hurt. It's, it definitely doesn't hurt for you to play another sport. But as far as starting in golf, we have our Saturday morning clinics, which you've, you've brought them to plenty of times, which is inexpensive. It's drop-in, which is great. Right. You don't have to sign up for it. It's inexpensive. They show up. Glenn, Gavin, Brock, who helps out my, a lot with our junior program, we call him our third junior instructor. They're there to introduce, we, you know, there's different age groups too, so three to six-year-olds. They're there for 30 minutes, and that's more just like, hey, do you like what you're doing here? Here's how you hold it. Here's how we stand. Don't make it complicated, right? Then you have your seven- to nine-year-olds. They're a little bit more aware of what's going on with the golf club. They've, they've probably been to this a couple of times, or they've played another sport, and their dad and their mom really loves golf. They want to you know, It's still very introductory. This is how we hold it. This is how we stand. This is a little bit of you know maybe how... Do you play on the golf course? This is how we putt. This is, you know, we take them through different little things. Is, and this is a pet peeve of mine, I'm going to interrupt you there, is any of that instruction, does it get to etiquette and kind of norms and customs on the golf course, or is that later? Is that more getting out playing on the golf course? That's a little later. Okay. That goes into like a program like our coaching program where that's where they'll stand them up around the green and be like, this is the green you don't chip off the green, and then they watch the U.S. Open and at Pebble Beach and watch Gary Woodland chip off the green, right? So That was just once. Yeah. <laughs> so you don't chip off the green. This is how you fix a ball mark. This is don't walk in somebody's through line. Right. You know, stuff like that. This is how you mark your ball. Make sure you replace it the correct way. So many people, so many, especially like me, an adult that came to golf, that was the most intimidating part. So we talked about the, the Saturday morning clinic. And, and getting kids acclimated, just kind of a, a welcome to the, the sport for, I guess, maybe kids that don't follow their dads or moms around the right. country club. What is that next step? You know, I've heard and read, kind of, I guess, the horror stories, which those are the ones that always get the press of, you know, kind of the little league dad comes to golf and that, you know, travel golf. And if you're not playing, if you're if you want to play at the highest level. You have to, you know, play all these big and expensive tournaments. I volunteered out at the the PGA Boys National, right. you know, and those people were here for the week, and they're going to Pinehurst the next week, and yep. they had been someplace before that. On kind of the local level, tell me what that next step is. Definitely, you know, after that next step, after they're beginning into golf and they start to get into it and they like it, you know, in our coaching program, we have tournaments that are introductory tournaments per se. They have to shoot a certain score from 50 yards, 75 yards on each hole. They have to shoot a certain score before they move up, move back. So you got to shoot it from 50, shoot, and then every hole is 50 yards. So maybe we only may play four or five holes, but every hole is 50 yards. Shoot a certain score, and you move up and you move up and kind of get acclimated. Well, this is what it's like on a golf course. And then after that, 
there's PJ Junior League, which we recommend a lot. That's more team oriented. Usually for kids, more team oriented stuff is better because it's not super individual. Everything's on me. I've got a couple of teammates I can rely on if I hit a bad shot. PJ Junior League, three three kiddos. They're gonna play a scramble from a certain yardage. It's easy. It's fun. And it's not so much pressure as an individual tournament. Once they get better and better, then there's stuff like we also run the U.S. Kids Golf Tour for the state. So playing in that, and then you've got you've got both sides in the U.S. Kids Tour. You've got I'm here to have a good time, and you've got kids that are here. I'm serious. I've won this tournament the last five years. I've been to U.S. Kids Worlds, which is at Pinehurst. You've got those kids. So you've got a nice blend and you kind of let your kids kind of figure out who they want to be in golf. There are some kids who dive right into it and they want to be the next Justin Thomas. You got kids who are just like, this is fun because my buddy's playing it and we can go play together and we're playing every Saturday in PJ Junior League and we're playing another kid we know who's on another team and we're going to play against them. Like, you have both sides, which is awesome. But that is kind of where you start and there's no there's no written script to how to do it the right way to to become the next Justin Thomas there's a lot of money to be invested you know and then some kids pick it up they have a natural ability and it may not take as much money but then you see these parents that spend you know you're talking about these national boys PGA and we're talking about US kids national events where these parents are just flying these kids around and they're taking lessons from Butch Harmon and yeah, I mean it's 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 a it's like any other sport. It's like baseball. There's travel baseball, mm-hmm. basketball. There's AAU, right? You know, so it's it's very similar. Every each sport has its own deal, but golf can be a little bit more expensive, I think. It can because you have to pay to play. You know, you don't have to pay to rent court time to out at the playground to shoot hoops, right? Or to, you know, the league may there's a ball field sitting fallow nine months of the year. You yes. can go play. You know, my. Um, Lawrence Donegan, who's one of the publishers of McKellar, you know, mm-hmm. had a, an article with last year. You know, he always jokes that, you know, parents will spend upwards of $80,000 cumulatively over the course of a kid's teen years right. chasing a seven-tenths of a, of a full scholarship. If you had just banked that money, <laughs> you know, they would have yeah, right. college paid for that way. Yeah. <laughs> and on that front, there's a great sign. You know, my, my oldest played t-ball last year. And there's a sign behind home plate that says, parents, attention, no college scholarships will be awarded today at this field. <laughs> so, you know, if you could stick that on a pike yes. by the first tee, yes. I think that <laughs> people would get a lot of humor out of that, number one. And I think it might, because in any sport, you know, dads can be like, they want it for their kid as much as sometimes, and sometimes more than what their kid may want it. And that's tough. And you just... You kind of got to push them, and sometimes you got to say, like, hey, like, just let them have fun today. Because that's half the time in golf. That's what we're looking for anyways. The more fun it is, even in adult stuff, the more fun it is, like Chris Boisel stuff with the city and all the tournaments I do. I am so jealous I can't play in any of that, being a professional, because that stuff is fun. That stuff gets people to play golf. And that's why when these kids see that it's fun and it's not cutthroat, private lesson, video, swing mechanics, and it's just, hey, we're going to try to hit the the range picker with golf balls today when it comes up to us. We're going to try to hit it all day. That's all we're going to do this lesson. And it's fun. But it has some instruction in it too. They got to learn. They've got to hit it low to hit it right. So there's some hidden instruction in there, but making sure it's fun, that's the key. 
my favorite thing about the PGA, about that tournament, is that none of the parents could talk to the kids. Right. They were at, they could walk along the ropes, but, they, you know, it was just the kids out there playing. They, they weren't talking a lot, but they, some of them were more buddy-buddy than, right. than others. But I, I thought that was brilliant, that there was no interaction. There was no, no dad or mom yelling at the, you know, it... it because that can happen. <laughs> oh, yes. Well, I mean, it happens at Little League fields. It happens in basketball. Yep. It happens at soccer. Um, that was just really refreshing to see. Um, you know, this man of war, you were previously, you mentioned at Thoroughbred. You were also at Keen Trace. Yes. Talk to me a little bit about maybe the, some of the differences people might not. What was different about those different jobs? The, the obvious being one, a public facility, one, a private facility, this a standalone practice facility, but just kind of the, the clientele or, um, just tell me a little bit about those transitions. Thoroughbred is what I call your blue collar public golf course. People who get off, they work their they work, you know, if they're an electrician, they get off at three o'clock, they're coming to see if they can get 18 holes in before it gets dark. They're blue collar. They've got blue jeans on, they've got a t-shirt or they've got khaki shorts and a t-shirt. They're happy. That, you know, I'm not saying nobody else is happy. You know, they're happy to be there. They're glad to be there. And they're there to just get away from their work day, you know, unwind after their work day and just slap it around the golf course, right? And then you transition that to where I went to Keen Trace, where you go to, I wouldn't call it ultra high-end private, but it is pri- it's a fun private facility. Right. It's family-oriented. Um, it's event-oriented, you know. It has its, you know, illustrious club championship, men's league, and stuff like that. But it's, it's the the clientele that enjoys playing golf. That is a very golf focused membership. There, they all love to play golf. Their wives and kids use the pool, but all the events were focused around golf. I mean, you know, the we'd have a UK opening day UK football scramble, and you know, each men's league had a theme and. It, that was just golf, 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 where the public was allowed if they were with a member, but it was different. And it's like where you had to enforce some rules where, you know, working at a public course, if they show up in blue jeans and a T-shirt and they're going to give you their money to play golf. Absolutely. There's the there's your cart. There's the first tee. Have fun. Where if Mr. Robinson shows up and he's got blue jeans on and he wants to go play Mr. Robinson, you can't play in blue jeans. Can I can I get you something out of the golf shop? Right. That's and that's and that's a tough conversation. And then even the same time when the member brings a guest and the guest's not dressed properly, it's a tough conversation to go out there. Mr. Robinson, your guest is not dressed accordingly. Can I take them into the golf shop and get them something? And enforcing some different rules where a member is like the to me, I treated them as the owner of the club, right? They're, they gave us their money to be a member for the year. Their opinion matters. They wanted to be heard. So if they wanted to go out and it was cart path only and it had rained 17 inches and they want to go out and, you know, they may have, you know, I've got a bum knee. All right, well, let me configure this to where you can go out, get into some certain high areas where you can get a little closer to air. Let me do that for you. 
and, you know, trying to cater to them. And working there was really good for me on a personal level to learn to how to cater people even more. What we, I call it, uh, I call it country clubbing it. Right. Can you customer service in a way of country club? Because you're not necessarily selling them. They're, they've right. already bought they've it. They've bought it. You're, they've bought it and you're just trying to make sure they enjoy it and they like it and how can you fix whatever problem it is. And... The problems that you'd have at a public course versus a private course is completely different. Um, the private club, when the pace of play is slow, well, you know, I want you to go tell them to go faster. Well, the group in front of them, sorry, they're they're in time. They're you know they're perfectly fine. They're just playing a little slow today. Well, I want to go move in front of them. And you're having to juggle, well, I've got a member who pays the same thing you do just in front of you that's taking a little bit longer today, not on purpose. Right. And then you want to play in three hours. Like, you have a a great juggling match there of what to figure (laughs) out. And then at a public course where they've paid their money to play their round of golf, but if they're slow, hey, I've got a fellow behind you. They've got a fellow behind them and so on and so forth, a domino effect. How would you feel... If you're behind them and the person in front of you is slow, how are you going to feel? You're probably not going to like it either. So you can be a little bit different by telling them, hey, move up a little bit. Let's go. Let's kind of pick it up a little bit. And you kind of learn ways and things to say and keeping it as joyfully and fun as you possibly can, no matter which public or private side keeping everything as joyful and happy as you can usually reduces the conflict you're going to have. And then you come here to Man of War Golf where it's your lawyer, it's your nurse, it's, all, you know, I can get a medium bucket in on my lunch break. Right. And I'm using this medium bucket, I'm using this time to get away from what I've done this morning, think about what i got to do this afternoon. And for some people, it's medium bucket, hit it out. For some people, it's walk around in the shop, talk, chat, buy their medium bucket. Then they go pot. You know, they spend a couple hours here. So the clientele here, you get you get your private club members who are in the area. There may be a member of Greenbrier. They don't want to drive 35 minutes across town to hit balls. Hey, I'll hit balls here real quick. You know, so you get a lot of the same clientele. People that come here to get fit are a lot of private club members that maybe their club doesn't offer a fully service fitting or they have some kind of tie to this facility. Before they were a member, they came here to practice. So we got it. We, we get everybody. We get the college kids a lot, and I can relate to them as you know being one not that long ago. Just coming out here to on a Friday night, just like looking for something to do with everybody, and there's five or six of us just hitting golf balls, having fun. And the correlation between all three places, no matter what, is to keep everything as fun as possible. And I think if you look at some, other, not other places, but golf has the old persona of it's stuffy, collared shirt, tucked in, hat on outside, forwards, hat off when you walk in the door. It's very stuffy. You know, I grew up at a country club that was stuffy it had dinner club and you couldn't wear certain things and your hat was not on when you walked inside like that's how I grew up but now we've gotten into the world that we need to get more people into this game and it needs to be fun and the only way to get more people in to do it is fun so that's been my per se philosophy that I've learned at the first stop public keeping it fun and you know because Golf's recreation, right? right? No matter what, they could be spending their time that they're coming to hit golf balls or play golf. They can still go watch a movie 
instead of coming to play golf. So you got to be as great to them as you can because they don't have to spend it here playing golf or hitting golf balls. So you've got to make sure that their time and their money that they're doing is get, they get a value out of it. Right. You hit on several things there. A bunch of them I want to circle back to. One, you mentioned that you fit a lot of people from private clubs. You grew up in a country club in the era where that was the only place you would get a Titleist golf ball. Right. Um, we've gone through, I feel like we're on the downside of the big box store. You know, mm-hmm. Dick's famously had brought a bunch of PGA pros in-house, and a couple of years later they had to fire, let them all go because right. golf was in decline. Quote, air quotes yes, there. Yes, yes. Um, you've got now we're in the era where... Not only can you get direct-to-consumer golf balls off the website, I'm a Snell player, yep. okay, but you can also, we're starting to see that in the club market. Now, Man of War has been here through all of it, so you haven't worked in public, private, and now at Man of War. Where, where are we or where do you think we're going on the equipment? It is... It's not necessarily going to have a direct effect here. You've got a pretty loyal client base. I mm-hmm. think you've got great club fitters and, and club makers, but... Kind of industry-wide, talk to me a little bit about where kind of golf is going in the age of Amazon, in the right. age of sub-70, yes. of, you know, send your specs in and we'll build it and ship it to you. Exactly. You've got, I think we're, I don't think we'll ever get to a full, you go online, fill this out, we send the clubs to you. I don't think we'll get there to where it's only that, but... Think of Amazon, right? We just said Amazon. You can, or Kroger Clicklist, like you can order everything you want. It's in your car. It's time, right? So if these companies like, um, there's another company out there, I can't remember their name, but you can try a driver out for next to no money. And you get it in and you try it, play a couple of rounds with it, and you can send it back and no strings. Bridgestone used to do that. And the ease of that, it's like trying something. It's like test driving a car, right? There's really no strings attached. If I like it, I'll buy it. But I think we're headed, especially golf ball. You're a snail player. The ease of getting on there and getting what you want and coming to your door, the ease of that is good. Um, and then you've got your old school people who I want to touch it, feel it, see it, hold it in my hand, see how it looks, all that. You have that person too. And... I think we'll get to where it's half and half. I do. I mean, for sure, clothing. Clothing, I think, is almost to the point where clothing is pretty much 80% online. Yeah, unless you're getting a branded souvenir right. merchandise. Right. But I can buy something offline, have it shipped to me. I could try it on. If it doesn't fit, I can return it, and they'll send me the same size in the next two days. It's in... The online is going to kill mom and pop in that era, in that area of like merchandise with shirts. Honestly, golf bags is probably not too far behind. And then because for some people like they, you can take pictures of everything now and display it pretty well, the same as you would in person. You just can't touch it or feel it. And then you're going to have that person that still comes in and wants to touch it, feel it, see it, how big is it. But for the person who kind of knows what they want, they're going to shop online for it because more than likely they're going to enter in a coupon code and get it for cheaper. Don't know how this is working and how these online companies are staying in business. I mean, I guess because you can be reached from a larger network. Right. But, you know, I've seen people come in here and show me a 
a bag that is brand new. I just got it. It's special, brand new. And they'll show me a picture of an online website that has that same exact golf bag for $10, $15 cheaper. And it's like, I'm, I struggle sometimes with going back and forth and price matching because it's like, we're a small business, mom and pop per se. If you're going to, if you want to support me, paid ten dollars more for something well not even that the, the one that kills me is and i know you guys have a big account but uh, there's a foot joy shoes mm-hmm. it's it's the same price i can order on the website or i can come in and you fill out an order form you gotta pay ship it's the exact same price so i'm gonna come buy from you but right. that ease and convenience if i know my size if i've right you know my foot's not growing anymore i've been wearing the same golf cleat for 10 years just updated every couple of years okay we're gonna hit the pause button on my conversation with matt right there and trust me if that was even mildly interesting listening to you you're gonna want to come back next week for the second half of our chat golf is such an interesting mix of sport and game and business that to be able to pull back the curtain a little bit and, and talk with someone like Matthew is a lot of fun and is very educational for me, and I hope it, you find it mildly entertaining for you. Hey, thanks for stopping by for this episode of the Blind Shots Podcast. Remember to head over to Apple Podcast or whichever podcast player service you're listening from and leave a rating and review for the show. Each time someone leaves a five-star rating and review for the Blind Shots Podcast, the posted distances on the pins on the range at Man of War get 10% more accurate. And who doesn't love more accuracy? Hope you enjoyed what you heard here today. If you didn't like what you heard, sorry, can't do anything about that now. But I will try to do better next time. And I hope you will join me again next time here on the Blind Shots Podcast. Until then, stay safe, be smart, remember to hydrate throughout the day. And as always, when you have the choice, do decide to go for it and take dead aim. You moved to this side of the, I'm down here in Lexington. You moved to this side of the Ohio River. It's going to get more exotic, but we can, <laughs> we, we, we'll honor it as it's, it's spoken there. Um, 